0: And welcome to Series Three of A Coffee With, a CND podcast where I sit down with some of pharmacy's most inspirational women to find out how they got to where they are today. I'm Emily Stern, a reporter at CND, and in every episode, I'll be talking to a different woman in pharmacy to chat about their career highs and lows, their aspirations and fears, and everything in between. So, pour yourself a cuppa and join me for the latest instalment of A Coffee With. My guest today is Anna Maxwell, a pharmacist, CEO of medicine switching company Maxwellia and the author of Switch Dynamics, a guide to the reclassification of medicines. Maxwellia is the UK's only dedicated expert medicine switching company and last year launched Labima, which brought the progestogen-only pill out from prescription-only status to become available to buy from pharmacies. So welcome, Anna, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. And let's start off by talking about how you got into pharmacy. What prompted you to study pharmacy? I'd always wanted to be a pharmacist from a very early age. I was fascinated with going into pharmacies, looking at all the big coloured medicines bottles and the activity behind the um, dispensary. So uh, I was actually able to choose my O-levels and A-levels to be able to study pharmacy and was thrilled when I got a place at Chelsea College which is now King's. I really believe that it was my purpose and why I was put on this planet to be a pharmacist and achieve what we so far have done. Could you give us an overview of
2: your career so far?
1: Sure. Well, I went to uh, uni at um, Chelsea College on the King's Road and studied at the School of Pharmacy there. My course was really interesting in that that it was heavily involved in plant medicine uh, as well as um, conventional medicine. So I really got two sides of the coin in terms of my training. I then moved to do my pre-registration for a a large multiple and then once qualified, ended up doing retail pharmacy. But I was put out on the road and I uh, was a relief pharmacist for a large multiple. And essentially, my patch was from... Birmingham all the way down to Penzance. So it was there when I really began to see firsthand how demographics changed from town to town. And it wasn't long before I became a little frustrated of trying to be a pharmacist and a store manager at the same time. And I made a request to my area manager to see if I could actually move into head office with a few weeks. I was actually uh, then catapulted into the buying office at Boots where I remained for about seven years as in various different buying roles, looking after all the proprietary medicines. So everything from painkillers killers all the way down to foot care. Uh, and um, it was a, an incredibly interesting journey uh, at the beginning of my career. Um, latterly I kind of worked on the Boots brand so created the Boots own label products Um, and it was there when I presided over many of the early stage switches actually so I think I wrote the original or one of the original lists for the pharmaceutical society and became very interested in switching drugs from prescription to non-prescription status so things like nicotine gum the antihistamines Imodium, all of those products, which were switched back in the 80s, I presided over those as a, a buyer. And at the time, um, we were responsible for not only just selection of the products, but also how the training would manifest itself and how they would be displayed in store and supported in store. So I really got you know the, the retailer's view of how to make switches work in, in the uh, pharmacy setting. Then, having spent a a career at Boots, I then went to a natural medicines company, Nelson's, which really utilized the skills that I had learned at university in terms of the um, natural medicine side of things. And I was their marketing sales director and chief pharmacist for uh, another seven years. And we grew that business from a very small uh, family business to a a global business, setting up um, U.S. subsidiaries and building various uh, new factories and ensuring that the uh, batch flower remedies uh, re- remained on the market in the UK as the EU legislation at the time was uh, threatening them. So uh, I then was marketing director for a company Boeing Ingelheim, where I launched brands like Buscapan, Dolcoese. I've had a, a quite a, an interesting career before I then went out on my own and started a consultancy business where I was helping companies with really, really challenging and innovative innovation and found my passion in switching,
2: so I'd love to talk to you about your book, Switch Dynamics.
1: So, for those that are listening to the podcast that don't know what is Switch Dynamics all about, Switch Dynamics was the first definitive guide to switching medicines for self-care. What it was is my take on having presided over many switches and seen them uh, implemented over, I guess, a twenty or so year period. It was my take on um, what actually happened when various products switched, from my recollection, and also laying down a framework of how companies could go about switching drugs to achieve not just regulatory success, but also commercial success. So at the time, it was the first of its kind. um, And what it did was set out case studies in the book that look at various different switches that had happened. But also, uh, I identified that you need a, really need a multidisciplinary team to be able to make switches happen. And this is now something that has been picked up by most of the um, pharma companies who are, are looking at switches uh, and also kind of fleshed out a process, really, in terms of how you do this and how you do this with great level of success. What was it that prompted you to, to start writing the book? I think it was partly because there were a lot of misconceptions that were being bandied about around historical switches and how to do them and I kind of thought that a manual of some description was needed so that we could kind of set the record and move on and I really think it was a pivotal moment because I think that um, you know many many people have taken small learnings from the book and, and actually we've kind of improved the way that switches are done.
2: So what's the process of book research and writing like for you?
1: I actually used to get up at six o'clock in the morning till eight and focus on the book. You, you have to you have to be very disciplined about it. So the first thing you do is you have to plan it. So luckily, mind mapping software was being introduced at the time when I was writing my book. So first of all, mapping it out and working out every kind of um, paragraph to detail in terms of what it was you wanted to to say and then crafting the content. But the thing with writing a book, it's all great at the beginning, but as it starts to build in content, then um, it's really hard to go back and read it again because it just takes hours. So, um, you know, you do need to set an awful lot of time. It is it is quite an achievement when it's done. So I'm really, really good. I think it needs an update though, but I may have to get a ghostwriter to do that for me ne- next time. <laughs>
2: We touched on this earlier, but I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about Maxwellia. What was it that really prompted you to set up?
1: I mentioned that uh, having done a number of years in in boots and then corporate jobs, and then working in consultancy in, in innovation, I found my passion in switching. But I, I found and noticed that um, consumer healthcare companies and pharma companies weren't really geared to uh, do switches. And therefore, you may start on a project and because of corporate priorities, they may be slowed down or they may, may not happen. And And also the the teams within companies, switches are iterative and therefore companies, you know, companies are not really geared to have that process. Given that I had a a vision of what products we really needed to switch so that we could create some new medicines for self-care, I knew the key players in terms of who is able to do it. And also I knew how to do it. I decided that actually there was a real opportunity for me to set up a company that was dedicated and purpose built to doing switching so that we could actually then harvest the off-patent portfolio of prescription medicines, which is essentially what we did. So in about following the book, um, where I laid down my process, which was actually really helpful because that's something that gave credibility from an investor's point of view, um, I set about bootstrapping the first product. So gathered some like-minded people around me and um, uh, set up Maxwellia. And we eventually, that, that was in 2013, 2014. So um, our initial project we we began uh, and um, it was only in 2017 that we actually went out and sought angel investment and investment from venture capital institutions. So we kind of um, evolved in a, in a kind of bootstrapping way.
2: What's that process like for you getting out to investors?
1: It is very challenging. Obviously, you need to refine your messaging and your pitching. So you have to be very clear about what it is you, you're trying to do and trying to achieve and what they're going to get in terms of return on investment for the money. And obviously, you know, switching is a very innovative. It's seen as the holy grail of, of new product development within consumer healthcare and over the counter medicines. And that is not particularly, it's very well understood to in the industry, but not particularly well understood by investment institutions so refining and crafting the messages so that eventually you are able to secure investment is something that is you know pretty key to being able to do that it took some time I reckon you probably have to do you know a hundred pitches before you start to get interest but uh, we got there in the end so it was a long long process and, and tough. So why for you is switching being or is still so important? As I said before, what we're doing is harvesting the off patent portfolio of prescription drugs. So there's a huge back catalogue of medicines that are now in generic state that I believe have real potential to create some new self care medicines. And so being able to widen access to medicines, and for me in particular, being a pharmacist, broadening the role of the pharmacist by giving them new products and new categories and new indications for them to be able to treat people in the self-care setting, I think is really important. And that is the focus of what Maxwellia is doing, widening access to medicines and broadening the role of the pharmacist through new medicines, new categories, new opportunities for them to help people. You know, first of all, the work that goes into a a switch, it's a rigorous process that is set down by the MHRA. And we have various checkpoints along the way. And the CHM, so the Committee for Human Medicines, are the, the final decision point. So if we look at you know the vaccines, the same ultimate arbiter is the people that are deciding on switches. So pharmacists can be assured that once a product has gone through that rigorous process, that reclassification happens. The MHRA and the CHM believe that pharmacists and their teams are capable of doing this particular supply. The heavy lifting is is done, and what we want is for pharmacists to be relaxed about it because so long as they do the training, follow the the protocol, and you know, as I said before, we most of the information, well, all the information for our switches is on the back of the pack. Then pharmacists can safely supply, and the process will guide them through when there's needed a referral or whether or not the product is not safe to supply. So I think that MHRI, it's not just a question of you write a few letters, it's actually a rigorous process. And the end result is a, a new pharmacy medicine. And over time, everyone gets comfortable about the new pharmacy medicine because they become used to it. And what we want to do, again, with all all the work that we do is try and simplify it, try and make it intuitive, create these valuable products so that pharmacists can help more people for more things and new categories. As CEO, what
2: has been the biggest challenges you've faced?
1: The biggest challenge really probably came within the last two years, and that was keeping the company alive during the pandemic, because we were an R&D business and our pipeline was starting to come to fruition. And therefore, we had an unstoppable train that that we needed to fund and scale for so when the pandemic hit we were in the middle of a funding round and obviously the level of uncertainty caused high degree of difficulty but we actually availed ourselves of the um, Future Fund and were supported by the British Business Bank. So that was great. And then as as our products began to sort of come through the pipeline, then we were able to secure the investment we needed uh, and, and also build the team. So we scaled the team from two people to 10 in the pandemic, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, and also we've, we've, we have we've had um, sort of two products that have been uh, approved, well, approved, uh, um, one obviously has been launched and the second one we're still waiting for the kind of final paperwork on that so yeah biggest success is obviously being able to launch lavima the daily oral contraceptive pill to enable more women to be able to access their contraception more easily and conveniently from the pharmacy and i think that that from our point of view was our main focus during the pandemic because to those women uh, it was as important as the vaccine for them to get their contraception, and I only wish, if I had my time again, we could we could have got it through the the authorities faster. It was actually, you know, quite a fight to get that through. How long was levima in development as a product? In my head, my whole lifetime, it's always been on the list, um, but I think we started working on it back end of two thousand and seventeen. So that just shows you how long it takes to get things through. We launched it in July 2021. What has the reaction been since it's launched back in July? Maxwellia, we pioneered the, the switch of um, Levima, which contains desogestrel. This was something that uh, we answered a call from the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Health the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists, and also there was an all-party parliamentary group for women's health uh, contraception uh, who were crying out for this pill to be introduced in the pharmacy. And so we were thrilled to work with them to be able to make that happen. We know that 44% of women say that they'd be prepared to pay for their contraceptive pill if it was affordable. And we know that over a third of women find it very difficult to access their pill right now, there's things that are relating to the pandemic, which has meant that the offtake from pharmacy hasn't been as fast as we'd have hoped. You know, lockdown celibacy is a a thing, and that interactions and social interactions haven't happened, you know, as much during the pandemic period because people were locked down. And similarly, pharmacies have been knee-deep in COVID vaccinations and flu and, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, you know, essentially coming out of the pandemic and things to return to normal, um, we we start to, we expect to be able to see the offtake start to grow for contraceptive pill, but I think it's it's really important that you know pharmacists are aware that thirty four percent of women can't access the contraceptive services they need. Forty four percent of women are say that they're prepared to pay at an affordable price, and this is all about offering choice and convenience. You know the the administrative hassle and frustration and uh, anxiety around women having to go to the GP for their appointment, even thinking about, about needing to ask the GP. This is something that is, you know, is is really not enjoyed by women. And therefore, if a woman presents at the pharmacy asking for the then it's okay for pharmacists to supply it provided the patient is suitable. It's a really great opportunity for pharmacy. It's a huge category with huge potential. And we hope, we'll start to see sales offtake, you know, getting to the levels that we all expect that it can do. You mentioned briefly about another product development launch.
2: Uh, so I just wonder, what are your future goals for Max Maxwellia?
1: Well, it's really interesting in that we have kind of two themes. One is lifestyle. So where it is a real pain that you can't get your medicine and you have to go and get it from the doctor like Levima, the contraceptive pill, and then there's an, another theme, which is all around putting a, a self-care intervention where uh, a person would not ordinarily present for a long time. And then when they do, eventually they, their symptoms have progressed so that they would either need chronic medication, long-term medication or surgery. So it's, it's, it's actually putting in a, an earlier intervention into that process so that they can help themselves with, the, with advice from the pharmacist um and so there those are the two themes that we're operating one is lifestyle two is self care stuff and the second the second product um that's been in development even longer than Lavima um but that is actually uh, a a women's health product that will will help uh condition that that affects one in five women in the UK um, and it's, it's a, a classic case of if they, they think it's, it's a sign of aging, if they do nothing about it, the symptoms will progress. Uh, they will become progressively worse. Um, and we can, by offering our self-care intervention, help them manage and control their, their symptoms and potentially, uh, stop them from entering primary, primary hair altogether. So, you know, really valuable work. And I think from a Maxwellia point of view, we, we have a women's health pillar of our strategy, but that there are other products that are tackling long-term public health issues that we have also in the pipeline that will evolve within the next few years. I know in recent
2: months we've seen things like the introduction of contraceptive pilots in England and Scotland, uh, and then particularly over the last month or so, price of uh, a generic emergency, horm- emergency hormonal contraception cut across I guess a range of of mortuples and pharmacies. Do you think there's been a shift now recently, some pandemic, in how women's health is recognised?
1: Women's health is clearly an area that has been poorly served and that is now being recognised by everybody. And the government have obviously recently produced women's health strategy, which is great. Whilst the pilots, I think, you know, are helpful for certain cohorts of the the population, you know, from a pharmacist's point of view, they are pretty administratively heavy and in some instances put women through tests or checks that are not really necessary. In the case of the pill, the OTC option is a really good option because it saves the um, NHS. All the hard work has been done in terms of the OTC format and the most cost effective way of supplying contraception to women because women say that they are prepared to pay at an affordable price and they relish the convenience of it. And, you know, with Levima, there's absolutely no need for a blood pressure check that's not needed. And so it's a really, really great choice for the pharmacist to recommend. When transitioning transition a product from prescription to non-prescription status, we train pharmacists and provide really comprehensive but very simple training. So there are sort of three aspects to our methodology here. The first is that all the information that a pharmacist needs and a pharmacy team needs to make a uh, consultation with a woman is actually written on the on the back of the pack. The way in which that is constructed provides all the prompts that they would need. But equally, we work really, really hard to make it simple. So when we look at our training booklets they are really easy reads that have been distilled and mhra approved but distilled into the simplest form so they're very easy to assimilate the information because what we want to do at maxwellia is actually enable pharmacists to think of switches intuitively so that they that, that they really you know they're just they're a regular product a framework has been created for them to be safely supplied to a member of the public following consultation with a pharmacist so that is, is really no different than, than other um, pharmacy medicines. And similarly, the way in which the product is constructed, because you're dealing with a consumer rather than a patient, then all the information, the leaflet, the label, the way the product is constructed, uh, is done in, in such a way that it's more friendly and there's more information and support to enable a person to make, or woman to make that choice. Um, and to be able to safely, you know, take the medicines and understand what to do if they need to take advice, further advice or, or need to, to be referred. So, you know, a lot of effort that goes into that, making it really easy for a member of the public to use the product safely and effectively.
2: I'd love now to reflect on your career to date. What do you feel has been the biggest challenge you've faced in your career so far?
1: Getting a regulatory approval and then commercialising a uh, consumer healthcare products in such a category as oral contraception, it's been very challenging and will continue to keep us occupied, I think, for the, you know, the next couple of years. So, you know, from my point of view, I'm really proud to do that. But, you know, we are working very hard to make that happen. But
2: as a woman in pharmacy, what do you think is be the biggest challenge you faced?
1: At the moment, our biggest challenge is persuading pharmacists to supply levima in the over the counter setting which is as i as i said before all about offering women different options for contraception the convenience and the choice Uh, and being able to be empowered to buy their own contraceptive pills. I mean, you know, guys have been able to buy condoms for ages with no questioning. (laughs) So I said before, you know, this is 21st century and uh, it's great. So I think, you know, we we at Maxwellia will continue along that vein. And also we have another product coming along fairly soon again. So actually managing and and, uh, coordinating two major switches as a small company, I think is pretty challenging. So we're fearless. <laughs> uh, it goes with the territory in a the, in the startup, especially in in what we're trying to do, which is broaden the role of pharmacist um, and widen access to medicines.
2: On the flip side then, what would you say has been your biggest career high so far?
1: Definitely front page of The Telegraph, front page of The Guardian and BBC News back end of last year. That was pretty amazing. We've also won... Many awards. So to actually do that in our first season, as we put our head up above the parapet, I'm you know so proud of my team for being able to do that. But I think it's testament to the change and the, and the step change that we want to make within the industry around innovation, uh, and, and giving pharmacy more relevant, effective, proper innovation to help them treat people for more things in new categories
2: we've well, spoken about the goals that you have for Maxwellia. Yes. So on a personal level what are some of your future party goals
1: again it's 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 more of the same one of the things that our investors like about us is we carry on with the same so we have as i said there's this back catalogue it's back catalogue like rec- like records albums um of 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 prescription drugs that we can harvest for self-care i think you know, in engaging and using technology to perhaps overcome some of the more difficult ones. You know, you'll see some really interesting innovation from us coming over the next five years. I mean, it's just more of the same, really. We're very driven in our mission of of widening access and broadening the role of the pharmacist. So it's very much leaving no stone unturned and being, you know, championing that innovation so that pharmacy can really have some great New growth with some great new brands and products. Looking back at your
2: career now, when you were uh, at J. King's or Chelsea School, what was, what's what sort of one piece of advice you wish you'd been given when you started your career?
1: I think it's probably about spending more time with my family as they've grown up. So I have probably sacrificed those relationships, um, having been very, very focused on works. The way in which the work-life balance cultural shift is happening now is absolutely right. And I think, you know, if I had my time again, I would have paid a little more attention to that, I think.
2: Is that, do you think, a, a, a benefit of of pandemic working through pandemic or working, so how the of working has changed because of the pandemic?
1: I mean, we built the business on a virtual basis anyway, so we were already geared for virtual working. But I think now just looking at how important it is to have you know work hard but also have interests and values outside work particularly you know looking after your your family I think you know that for me that's very very important and something that you know kids grow up really fast blink and they've gone so <laughs> no, I think that's something that I, I, I would have told my 21 year old self. What
2: do you think now needs to be done needs to happen to make pharmacy, I guess, a better or more equitable career for women?
1: I think pharmacists generally need to realise the mountain of value that they're standing on and how they have become the front door of the NHS and people absolutely value their service and their experience. I think we've come towards more of a, a culture where people are prepared to pay for good service and good advice and so I think that pharmacy will do well to embrace the innovations that the consumer healthcare companies are bringing, whereby they can have great products where they make healthy margins and, you know, really need to get behind that. You know, we know that dispensing is less becoming less and less profitable for them. But from a consumer point of view, the, the general public, you know, they want pharmacists to. Be the experts for medicines. That's where they see them and a first port of call. So from our point of view with LaVima, we've seen that women are prepared to pay for, for those services if they can get them easily and conveniently. And I think that's something that pharmacists could do well to really think how they can embrace some of these new products and services, um, which, you know, are self-pay, self-paid, self-care. Who is a woman in pharmacy that you particularly admire? Well, I'd like to give tribute, actually, to a very old friend, who Joy Wingfield, who actually sadly passed away during the COVID pandemic. She was a woman who was the guru of of the oracle on pharmacy law and ethics. I knew her all my career as she was um, in the pharmacy superintendents at Boots guiding uh, the activities of, of the company. And also she kind of wrote the Dale and Appleby law and ethics book Um, or updated it latterly I spoke to her a couple of weeks before she passed away and she was thrilled that she just retired so it's a tragedy and I just like to kind of I guess dedicate this podcast to her because she was a, a trusted friend and it's just you know very very sad that we lost her during the pandemic and I hope that um we will we will have someone of her caliber to fill her shoes in terms of the law and ethics side of things absolutely I just have one final question Uh, This year's International Women's Day theme
2: is to break bias. So I want to know how you will be raising helping to break
1: bias over the next year. Well, I kind of think that liberating the contraceptive pill started that mission for Maxwellia. And, um, you know, bringing Levima to pharmacy so women can buy it is a great thing. And also our next product is also a women's health product, which again will tackle a condition that is very hidden. So I think that our product portfolio is helping women become empowered and improving their quality of life, which is great. But also from maxwellia's perspective we are you know a fairly we're a pretty diverse organization we're predominantly female actually (laughs) in terms of the company so it's a at the moment we have a women's health pillar and the majority of the team are, are women driving this so uh i you know i think we're kind of there and doing our our piece for breaking the bias you know one of the things we're trying to do at maxwellia is remove the stigma of certain taboos around talking about women's health and so making it okay for a woman to walk into a pharmacy, have a conversation with a pharmacist. You know, the way in which Levimas consultation is, is constructed, it's only a few questions. And we want women to be less embarrassed and feel more comfortable about being able to walk into a pharmacy and talk to somebody about their condition.
0: That was Anna Maxwell, a pharmacist, CEO of Maxwellia, and the author of Switch Dynamics. We spoke about the benefits of widening access to medicines how the pandemic has changed how women's health is recognised, and Anna's vision for Maxwellia. For more news and updates on CD's Women in Pharmacy group, please visit the CD community via our website chemistsanddruggists.co.uk. This is the final episode of Series 3, so thank you so much for listening.